Welcome back to Rocky Unscripted, a podcast where we talk about faith when Sunday is over. And I'm sitting here with Amanda Rohrbaugh and Sean Moyers. What's with up, Barry? Thank you. Uh, um, just hanging with my friends. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, I have very specific instructions today, Amanda. <laughs> what are they? Sean says we, we talk too much at the beginning of the, the episodes. What? He says, Come on. No, don't out me on this. He sir. says it's boring. And listeners don't want to hear us I talk, know. so we I have to pretty, jump. I pretty much heard him say the same we thing. We have to jump right uh-huh. into the content, so I'm, I'm really, really sorry. So, uh, okay. Sean, like what, what does the Bible say? <laughs> Golly, guys. <laughs> I'm just reacting. Uh, I'm reacting for Amanda. Amanda's had a tough day, so I'm just trying to, like, you Sean, know, get were you some. in a serious mood this morning? And you're just like, guys, we're he not was. talking. I mean, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Good grief. I'm, I'm out on this one, guys. I'm out of here. Look, look what we did. He doesn't want to talk now. He's, 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 he's like, like all choked he, up. Yeah, he's all flustered. You got, yeah, 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 you guys got me flustered, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about my dance moves on the podcast, and then nope. all of a sudden, yeah. yeah. No dancing, no talking. That's his, his rules. He's like, we need to cut to it and jump in unless we're talking about my dance moves. Uh-huh. Then we can <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> okay. Wow. Hey, let's dive right in. All right, ready? Go. Uh, we haven't talked about the series that we've been in for several weeks. Um, some vacations came up. We did a special leadership podcast. And Nick, uh, Nick was in Mexico. I was in Mexico. And before that, where was I, Amanda? Do you want to go ahead and say Because you've been giving me a hard time. I don't actually remember where oh, we're I was in New York. Oh, in New York. York. That's right. Uh, TC th- this morning was like, how are your vacations? <laughs> Plural. <laughs> Man. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And uh, I leave next week. But then we're back. I, and, and then I leave next week. No, remember remember actually, that day tomorrow. when I said you were gone in chunks? And you're like, oh, I'm not gone in chunks. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're gone in chunks. <laughs> Kind of, kind of, right, every guys, other week. Could, could we get to it? <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I hear you, Sean. I'm trying go, to get us there. Nick, go, go. Uh, so in a couple of weeks, we're, we're doing an, another special podcast where we're talking about forgiveness. Uh, yeah. But I wanted to talk about a couple of the Beatitudes that we've covered on Sundays that we haven't talked about in the podcast today. I would love for us to talk about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and uh, blessed are the pure in spirit. Is that how you say it? Pure, pure in heart. Pure, pure in heart. heart, yeah. Um, I'm not going to edit that out. I'm going to leave that in. You're going to... Don't know the Bible. Hey, first service last week, I did the same thing. I you said, bless you, pure in spirit. I mean, uh-huh. heart. Yeah. Is there so. a version that says pure in spirit? There's got to be one. There's got to be one. There's, also, yeah. there's my 400 versions. Yeah. Favorite thing in this series has been like, we're all like, we don't say blessed. We say blessed. Blessed. Every blessed. single one of us have been blessed. Like, blessed. blessed. Who, said, who said I that? I did. Matt did. You did. Yeah. I didn't say that. You said it on Sunday. No, but I'm saying I didn't say we're not going to say that. Oh, no, Matt did. Oh, well, Matt, whatever. He's not <laughs> yeah. in charge of that. He's right? like, uh, we're going to say blessed. I'm like, okay, blessed. Mm, no. <laughs> Dude, that's what, that's what everybody has not memorized. Exactly. It, it goes back to that, how you, you know, were raised. It does go yeah. back to that. So Matt talked about the, the blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. So he's not here, but I would love for us to, um, to talk about a little bit. Uh, Amanda, you just finished, I say you just, it might've been a week ago. You finished this really intense, we've talked about it a little bit. Yeah. Did we intense, talk about like, it in the lifestyle, podcast? what'd you call it? So it's supposed to be 75 hard, but my daughter Cherokee got married yeah. uh, last weekend. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Very cool. And so we only had 63 days until the wedding. Okay. So we called it 63 hard. 63. And why is go. it called 63 hard? It's I, weird. 75 hard is why what is it it's called supposed 75? to be. I have no idea. Somebody just made up 75 days hard because yeah. it's hard. Okay. So the real 75 hard version is you work out two workouts, 45 minute workouts a day. 
And one of those has to be outside. Okay. No matter what. You drink a gallon of water. You read 10 pages a day. Of the Bible or anything? Well, the original 75 hard is um, of anything. Okay. And then no alcohol, some sort of diet, and um, basically you're supposed to like take pictures, like progressive pictures of, of progress. Oh, yeah. okay. That's the original 75 hard. Uh-huh. Rohrbaugh 63 hard version <laughs> <laughs> was, um, so also I drank no water before we did this. Okay. None. Like only sparkling water, never drank water. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was no sparkling water half a gallon at least a day, which I ended up drinking like a gallon a day. Also, I used to probably drink six sparkling waters a day. Mm-hmm. I drink none. Totally okay. only water, which yeah. is a miracle in mm-hmm. itself. We did an hour workout a day. Um, we did Mediterranean diet. We did a Bible plan with some friends. Yeah, no alcohol, no sweets, all that kind of stuff. Every so, day. Every day. Like walking outside at 930 at night to get my 60 mm-hmm. minutes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, working out every day. So we did it with some friends, kind of started on a vacation. We were on a vacation in California at the beach, hanging out. And that's um, a great time to start a diet, by the way. It's a on great vacation. time to just, de- <laughs> no, we decided when we got home, oh. we're starting this. Gotcha. Yeah, so, we're going to live it up this week and then <laughs> we'll go hard next week. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So anyway, we started that 63 hard. Mm-hmm. So good. So you were, you were talking about that earlier because you were saying, I just burped. <laughs> <laughs> I should not be drinking this. <laughs> you sparkling water. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you were talking about this earlier because you said you, you know, you've been doing this for 63 days. Mm-hmm. So, and you were not obnoxious about it, but we did hear about it. Like you talked about it. Yeah. And probably not as much as Matt talks no, about working out. No, but not any, anywhere close. <laughs> but um, I did talk about it. You did talk yeah. about it and you said, so you finished it. You've been off for a week. And what were you saying? Yeah, so we actually, we did a Bible plan with three other people. Um, So it was my husband, Dee, and then Joel and Josie and I did a Bible plan. And just the accountability of every day. And we also synced our watches to, like, you can see other people's activity. Oh, it's competitive. Well, you're accountable. Like, if I didn't do my 60 minutes, you know what everybody did and didn't do. So even if you don't feel like it, somebody is just seeing and watching. So that was the first thing, just accountability. But after we got done, last week was a really crazy week. We were all finished, wedding, um, family in town, craziness. So I slipped on, like, not the diet so much because we kind of said, hey, even though we're not doing it, we're still going to continue with healthy eating and Mm -hmm. just some of the things we were doing anyway. But didn't do the Bible plan. And last week, I was feeling it. Um, To be honest, on Sunday when I was, like, prepping for communion setup and doing all of that, I'm like, I haven't been... Like, I haven't been in that hunger and thirsting. Like, Mm. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not where I was um, just in just connection with God and Mm -hmm. being daily accountable to that. And so I felt it. And I think I felt it because we were so ingrained into it. So just it was habit and and just doing it every single day that I missed it so bad last Mm. week. And I felt it. Felt it hard. So, yeah. I I think. Uh, we were, again, we were talking earlier about this. And I, I think one thing that's unique about this beatitude is compared to the others, it's really easy for me to like self-diagnose if I'm living this out. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do, am I hungry and thirsty for more righteousness? It's like, there's, th- there's definitely times where I'm like, nah, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not. Cause that, that, 
it makes you think of uh, it, it's a desperation for right. Mm-hmm. We're hungering, we're thirsting, thirsting. <laughs> 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 but I think that more often than not, it's like, yeah, I want to read the Bible, and it's probably more of like well, I, I ought to read the Bible, right? Not like I'm not oh, hungering, I'm desperate for that, not thirsty. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think it's kind of unique in that way that I can almost immediately just know how am I doing on this, mm-hmm. and 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 from that maybe self correct and get back on, on some kind of discipline. You know, one, one thing that was interesting, I talked to D after it, mm-hmm. and I just kind of gave him a fist bump, and I was like, dude, you look good. I mean, after 63 days mm-hmm. of you guys exercising, eating right, doing all of that, I mean, you probably just said, wow, there's been some real positives to oh, this. Oh, for sure. Yeah, all of that. And I was acknowledging with him, dude, you look good. Yeah. It's great. Interesting enough with the passage, it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Mm-hmm. You know, like... When you hunger and thirst for it and you go for it, man, God will fill fill you up. It's interesting. I think sometimes people jump into the Bible and scripture and they're like, well, I read that and I didn't quite get it. I don't know if I got anything from it. Yeah. Mm. What I notice is the consistency is what you're talking yes. about. The consistency of if I meet every day mm. um, or if I'm meeting most days with God, then I tend to see things, hear things more than I, than I do when I just am like, I grabbed a meal here or there. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's the same thing with just the spiritual side of working out. When we sit down, God promises you'll be filled. Yeah. Like I will fill you up. But it happens better when it's consistent. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. One of the things that was interesting in the passage too, you think about it, think about the context for a second of that passage, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I made a statement this weekend talking about purity, that purity is something that is received, it's not achieved. Well, think about yep. righteousness for a second. In the context of that passage, you can think about when Paul talks about righteousness later in the New Testament, it's in the epistles, he writes a bunch about it. It's that same idea. It's received from God through what Jesus did on the cross, gave us his righteousness, exchanged it for our sin. This is actually pre, this is pre-sacrifice. This mm-hmm. is pre-Jesus going to the cross. Yeah. So what does righteousness mean there? Mm. It's a little bit more in the context of the law. Like okay. actually Jesus even talking there. So you might be talking a little bit more. You could be talking about both, but he might be talking a little more in that essence about morality. Mm. Hmm. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for that, for they will be filled. And there's an in- interesting thought in my mind on that one is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God's lifestyle and go after that. Yeah. Not, not talking about a works thing, but hunger and thirst for his best for them in every area. What does it say? You'll be filled. And I think you have a lot of people that are like, man, that's hard. Mm-hmm. That lifestyle is really hard. But I think if you have a desire, I know scripture says, if you have a desire to go after God's lifestyle, he will fulfill that desire. He will help you fulfill it. Mm-hmm. Gives the Holy Spirit all that. So that's another interesting thought. As I was thinking about this earlier today, man, there's righteousness later in the New Testament that is talking about mm-hmm. a position with God. We are right with God that's only given through Jesus. This is pre that where Jesus is really talking a lot throughout the whole rest of the Sermon on the Mount. He talks a lot about, here's things you do. Here's things you don't do. Here's my lifestyle. Live this, and you'll be filled yeah. with good things. There's, and there's something there. I mean, obviously, as, as a faith community, as a church, we, we put the utmost emphasis on what Jesus did on the cross, right? It's, we can't earn our salvation, all that. But there is that, especially after, Amanda, after you completing all this thing that required so much discipline, there's benefit from just the action of of doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. 
that's just, it just goes hand in hand with it. And I know we want to be so careful to not say, you know, pursue morality. And then you feel a lot of self-righteousness. Matt talked about that a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago. Feel a lot of self-righteousness and it's just like, you know, I'm good. I don't need, I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. There's just something the way that, that God has just kind of wired the universe that if you do exercise regularly, if you eat well, if you do all these actions, you are you uh, you walk away with just benefit from it. Like life is better, and there's and then you you factor that into that spiritual reality. Of what Jesus did, it's like it's 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 whole. It's, it's you know what I mean. Yeah. It, it's it's everything together, and I think sometimes we we kind of err on one side or the other in Christianity. I remember having a a conversation with a guy. And he had this really high view of God's grace, which is great. But his was almost this idea of it doesn't matter what we do ever because mm-hmm. Jesus, his sacrifice is enough. And he's, and it was like this, that's so cool, but that doesn't, that's not right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you're right. There's nothing you can do that would make God love you less, right? There's no sin that's too great. But he had this, this, this like, it, it it was a little bit too more or too down that, that line of nothing we do matters. Yeah. Like there's no consequence. Yeah. That's not right. Romans five and six, right? Mm-hmm. Shall we go on sinning so that grace might increase? Right. Mm-hmm. right. By no means. We died to sin. How can mm-hmm. we live any longer? You know? Yeah. And, and so, uh, yeah, I think, I think there's that side of, of, uh, of grace that is so beautiful but grace requires something of me. And we may all kind of have our own, like you've shared often that uh, in your life, you've kind of struggled with that sense of it's, it may be easier for you to do the right things. And then it's, it's easier for you to take, kind of take on like, huh, like I'm doing the right thing and you guys are doing the wrong thing. You know what I'm saying? Like you might be a little bit more apt to be like, I don't know if it's easier. It's a little bit more, it's a little easier for me to judge because right. the background I grew up in right. of we judged what people did right or wrong. And there is no grace in that. Right. Um, yeah. But God's saying, no, <laughs> there is right or wrong because you have grace. And yeah. God's saying, I want, I want something better for you. Right. And I want you to live in this. Um, and we should desire to and want to because we've received grace. Okay. There's- so, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think all through uh, the Beatitudes that we've been talking about and this idea of blessed, we all want to be blessed. People want the blessing, yeah. but you want the blessing without the, the mm. work of the blessing. Um, I just think it's, we don't also sit in that enough. Even I think maybe teaching through these the last how many ever weeks, we talk about, hey, blessed are, blessed are, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but that blessing piece is a big piece of why, why we do what we do. Like why... Why are you pure in heart? Because there's a blessing. There's a better way. God wants better for you yeah. if you do this thing. You know, it's funny. In even the series, we've made a statement. <laughs> Matt and I both said um, we were super excited about this series before it started. And then we started getting in and studying. And, t- and it's just been a harder one mm-hmm. for some reason. You're tackling one verse and you're just trying to mine everything out of that. Yep. But man, the, mo- the response from people has been really good. And the further we've gotten into this series and the more we've studied, the more... We're really having a good time, but it's a little bit of that. It's like, man, this whole thing God's putting out there and saying, it's it's a raising the bar. I heard somebody say something about the Ten Commandments, almost like the Beatitudes of the Ten Commandments in the New Testament. But the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament are so much easier <laughs> yeah, to a obey. More, yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit more cut and dry. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, don't kill people. Got it. Yeah, it's just conduct. It's yeah. don't murder. Don't commit adultery. All that. Right. This stuff is like heart stuff. Upping the ante, yeah. Yeah, and you're just getting deep down into the core of character, who we are, but the blessings of heart stuff are way deeper. Yes. 
And, and it's like, you don't, you don't have to do these things to be in relationship with Jesus. But if you do these things, you're going to be blessed. Like yes. it's better. And so sometimes that choice is the harder choice, right? It's like exercising. It's like, ah, I'm, I'm not going to die probably if I don't exercise, mm-hmm. but the blessing or the, the reward on the other side of actually putting in the hard work of something is better. I think that's why that. it feels, sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. Uh, I think that's why it feels a little uncomfortable. And, and you said this a couple of weeks back when we're talking about mercy. And, oh. and I want to save that conversation because we're, we're talking about forgiveness. Yeah, podcast, yeah. <laughs> but it was this like conditional element. And that starts to feel a little gross. Like you don't have to do that. Yeah. But if you do. But okay, because what we're saying is God's love for us is unconditional. Yeah. Right? He yes. loves us no matter what. And we can uh, receive salvation through Jesus by putting our faith in him even if we're bad people, right? Even if we're making mistakes. Our sin doesn't, you know, block us from from Jesus's grace. However, when we're talking about we're talking about these beatitudes, it is these they're conditional things. Right? It's like if you don't live this out, you don't have this blessing. And that's what feels a little bit uncomfortable. But I think I think it's like is it conditional or did God set up the world? I mean, God gave us free choice. Yeah. We get to choose whatever you know, choice we want to make on all these things. But he set up some laws, some natural laws, you know, saying this is kind of how the world works. Yeah. You know, things in creation Mm -hmm. and it rains, things grow. Yeah. Healthy things grow. I mean, he just set up some natural laws. But I think that's some of the same things with this. There's just some natural results Mm -hmm. of connection with God that you get. And I think what he's more saying is not conditional. He's more saying, connection mm-hmm. like this is actually even um you know we talked a little bit yesterday and we'll get to this but the pure in heart will see god we were talking about purity in heart is a little bit of that prerequisite of cleaning our spiritual eyes up to be able to actually see god who's already there yeah and these things are all things that are almost like relational principles of man if you want a better connection with god here's here's the heart of god yeah these things are reflective of the heart of god and when you have the heart of god you naturally are closer to God. So it's it's not as much like he's withholding these blessings from you. Yeah. As much as hey, if you are not hungering and you are not thirsty for righteousness, you will not be filled up. Yeah. Yeah, you know you're not I mean? living in the fullness of what right. he has for you. Yeah. I mean, that's how Abundant I see life. it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yes, you don't have to do that, but you're not you're not getting the fullness of of your relationship with yeah. him. I think at one point you said it feels kind of judgy. Uh-huh. Um, this whole idea. Yeah. Like yeah. You, yeah. Now the, we'll do that one later. Like you said, the mercy one might be the one that really brings that in. Yeah. Because everyone went really part. hardcore on yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You will be forgiven to the extent that if you forgive others. Yeah. Forgive others. If, if you don't, <laughs> it's like nine times in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. They say, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Mm. That's a hard thing to hear. But again, that's the side of like, how could God, who's so compassionate and loving and gracious, accept someone who is devoid of his character? That's all he's saying there. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Okay, yeah. so let's, let's jump to the, uh, the beatitude of blessed are those that are pure in heart, right? <laughs> uh, I had some questions based on your, your teaching. And one of the things that, that you pointed out was um, how uh, the, the Bible uses like sexual relational language when it's talking about the purity of, of our relationship with God. 
and uh, you know it mentions uh, lust, mentions mentions cheating on God, admits or it mentions adultery. committing adultery yeah. against God. Why why that language? Like do you, do you know? Well, if you think about Scripture, I mean, he uses um, relational uh, language all the way throughout. Yeah, you know, in v- Ephesians it talks about the bride and the groom. Jesus comes and he talks about the bride and the groom. And, you know, so Paul uses that example also. You you go back in the Old Testament, um, he talks about Israel that way. Yes. You know, with God. It talks about he is jealous for them and they committed adultery against him. Because I think it's a relational principle that God set up. Even says in Ephesians that he set up marriage as a, not just for a man and woman, but for a picture of, of our relationship with Christ and Christ's relationship with the church. Right. I think God did that through all throughout of just giving us pictures and principles for us to be able to understand our relationship with him and understand not just, hey, you know, Nick, you're friends with God. It did say that in James, like NIV, sure. friend, friendship with God or friendship with the world. But I think what God is trying to do is saying this is bigger than just friendship. You know, I think about my relationship with Jen that is bigger than just friendship. It is in everything about us, spiritual, physical, emotional, relational connection. Yeah. And God is saying, that's why I created you. It's everything about you, connection with me, your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole body is to be connected to me. So I think that's why he, he uses that language. And we get it. And I think yesterday there were some people who were like, oh, yeah. yeah. And as I'm studying through, I'm oh. going, oh, dang. It was such a good... I think connection for people probably in a way that they hadn't thought about it. And it does, it like hits a little deeper than just your typical, you know, conversation probably. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, so I, I want to keep plowing through cause I had a bunch of questions based on this Sunday. Cause okay. it's just, there, there's a lot of content and I would love for you just to, to, to tell me more about this because one of the points that you made was God cares less about your sin and more about the condition of your heart. Mm-hmm. Okay, so have you ever wondered, you look at Scripture, and you're like, how can David be called a man after God's own heart? I mean, He's the guy, a bad guy, golly, <laughs> I mean, he, just, he starts off so well. And, for, and we tend to put all of the stories in Scripture in these small time frames. We're talking a whole lifetime for this guy. Yeah. And there's a place at which, you know, uh, probably authority and position got to his head. And then also not doing the things he used to do about being out with, you know, out to war with his soldiers and whatever. And so temptation got him right? But God was saying, what God was saying is the reason he thinks less and is concerned less about our sin and more about the condition of our heart is because sin is a symptom of what is already in our heart. It's a symptom of our character. And so whether that be lying, whether that be lust, whether that be adultery, whatever, those things are things that happen after the fact of what's already in our heart that we have led in our heart. And so that's, that's what he was saying there is, is it's a symptom. And God cares more about the cause. Same thing if you have a health issue, right? Mm-hmm. Your symptoms come out, but we want to find the issue in your body um, to take care of so we can heal that thing. And that's what God's want to do. I don't want you to experience all of the things that David experienced after committing adultery and murder, mm-hmm. right? His family blew his entire family up. Right. I want to take care of the heart before we even get to that point. And you're not saying God doesn't care about sin. He's just no. saying he cares more about your heart and that bigger picture that leads to those symptoms. Yes, but I think we actions. as people forget, we think God's up there taking note and marking the tally marks of every sin. Yeah, I think he's up there saying, hey, let's talk about your heart and what you're putting into your heart because what's going to come out. Yeah, 
that's, I mean, Scripture's very clear. He hates sin. Mm-hmm. But he hated, and even in the Old Testament, even though it's very conduct-oriented, the Ten Commandments were very much about do's and don'ts. What he talked about with his people were the condition of their hearts. Yeah. Well, in so. the quote that you used about the 18 inches between your head and your heart, which I thought was really good, I think sometimes, because I move so fast in life, sometimes I think with my head more than I think with my heart. Yeah. And I think we do that. So yes, we're talking about sin and we're talking about our heart and what comes out of that. But I think people also react from their head and it's like what in their heart might actually not be so wrong. It's like, I don't think that's what your heart really feels, but you're thinking with your head, not your heart. And so you're reacting in that way. We also rationalize with our head, Mm -hmm. not with our heart. Hearts where we are emotionally attached to things. And when you say, oh, that, that is wrong. Mm. That hurts. Yes. Our head, we're just making, we can make excuses and rationalize ourselves out of all kinds of stuff or so, into. So based on that, I wanted to talk ab- uh, about something that you didn't mention on Sunday. And, uh, and that's the, it's called the purity culture. Can we talk about that? Because I feel like this is the purity culture thing and we'll, and we'll it was very focused on actions. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So can you guys unpack that? What, what is this purity culture? Because some people listening did not grow up in, in the church in this way. Well, we, we grew, grew up, Amanda and I probably age-wise, we grew up like right after it was really hidden. Mm-hmm. Like in the 90s, we were, you know, graduating, that kind of stuff. And it was definitely in that late 80s and 90s time frame. That was yes. the thing. Yeah. So unpack I, Well, I mean, I would say adding to it, and then Sean can talk about that a little more, but not only purity culture, I think just Sean talks about um, how you were raised, even just in how you lived out your faith, like law-based. I think in parenting, when I first started in ministry 22 years ago, it was very behavior-based, like in the Christian circles, like behavior-based parenting instead of heart-based parenting. Like we care more about how you act than yeah. actually your heart. Um you know, you have kids who are like, I love Jesus just because my actions or my parents say I do, but their heart really mm-hmm. wasn't in that place. And I think that purity culture came out of that too. Like I'm doing these things because you tell me to do these things. You tell me to dress this way. You tell me to act this way. You yeah. tell mm-hmm. me what that looks like. But internally there was no conviction of that. And mm-hmm. so definitely not heart condition relating to how they were living that out. So step back one second. Uh, so, and, and help me fill in the blanks. The purity culture thing was this idea of we we need to be sexually pure, right? We want our kids to be sexually pure. And this is what it looked like. We made these oaths or commitments, yep. promise rings. Yep. Promise I'm not going to have sex before marriage. And this promise ring is my commitment to that. It was this commitment uh, against, you know, avoiding porn. And you mentioned dress. Oh, yeah. That was really targeted thing. to women. Very targeted to modesty and very targeted to, I mean, you would do the camp sign when you went to camp and it had all the pick, like uh, going to high school or middle school camp. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we would make a sign that basically had all of these different pictures of how to dress and not, not how not to dress. Yeah. And there would be like big circle arrow. (laughs) Like you can't wear this. You can't wear this. And there's people like looking at those photos with the cross up. Like, Oh, that's pretty <laughs> like causing everyone to stumble with the uh, examples there. And basically it's like, no, hey, they were if like you wear, cartoon yeah, stick figures. Like right? cartoon <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. Yes. yeah gotcha. But it's like, if you, if you wear this, you're bad, terrible. Like you don't love Jesus. Gotcha. You don't love Jesus. You don't love Jesus. And it'd be like, it'd be things like maybe you're showing too much shoulder, you know? Yes. It, but, it wasn't just uh, yeah. like yeah. get on the bus and you're measuring short, like put your mm-hmm. arms down. How long are your shorts kind yeah. of a thing with females typically. 
Mm-hmm. But it went, I mean, it went even further. It was the ultra side of like, you had some thought leaders out there and some writers. You had Joshua Harris who had, oh, yeah. you know, I kissed dating goodbye. And, yes. uh, and there was the whole idea of man, dating's wrong and, and yes. courtship is right. And, uh, we should do this, we should do that. Yeah. And every guy should, should ask, um, the dad if he could court or just get to know the daughter. And, yeah. and there was just, just a lot of, it was, there were so many rules yes. that it created, um, there was a tendency that it created shame on the other side yes. and hiding mm-hmm. not not an openness of talking about uh these things and hey there's temptation here and i'm feeling this here or this mm-hmm. happened it was very much hide that because we've highlighted so much and we've almost made this idol yeah of excuse me because don't listen to this nobody should listen to this saying that we're not saying that abstinence abstinence right. is right sure i mean god does say save yes. yourself he says that um but we so elevated that into this idol that anything, anytime something takes precedence over Jesus, I mean, that was yeah. in the purity culture, that's what happened. It was. This was, sure. this is the lifestyle, and it became such a legalistic law-based yes. thing that when you broke those laws, holy cow, you didn't even talk about it. Yeah, just and hide it. Or you felt shame deeply, Yeah, and it even affected things later yes. in your relationships. There, there were, you hear stories of so many people that followed the rules and got married and were completely dissatisfied with their relationship with their their spouse they because they thought as soon as they got married they're going to start having sex and it was just going to be like the the most beautiful most fulfilling experience and they're like wait a second this thing was a sham because this is a really difficult aspect of the relationship in marriage well that's i mean that's what purity culture did right it was like Dude, if you'll you know abstain and you'll it, it we, we describe the everything yeah. as it'll be it's this just wonderful be yeah. experience, but it's like anything else in life. Yeah, sex is something you have to understand and learn yeah. and all of that, and so it it just set people up for some failure. But there would probably be some people that say, "My dad gave me a promise ring." Yeah, there's I, there's I, some there's some great stories yeah. of that. There's it's not all bad. Well intentioned, yeah. I think for the most part, it was well intentioned. It just went too far and it mm-hmm. went too far away from the head heart example that we're talking about yes. it went so head no heart I mean people weren't diving into the heart of these kids or what was really driving some of their behavior of why why did they want to wear a certain thing or do a certain thing and talking about that and so when you're all this all head you're not gonna yeah it's it's not gonna have a good impact on people another layer of that and you know I was a guy growing mm-hmm. up in the youth group um, unintended consequence was okay focus on this the women make sure you're dressing this way because if you don't it's going to cause the boys to the lust mm-hmm. and you need to take responsibility and you know it, it quickly turns into this why am I completely responsible for someone else's you know thoughts and and and, and actions like why can't these these guys have enough you know, pursuing righteousness that they can control their own. You know what I mean? It just put all this pressure. And I agree with Sean. I mean, there is, there is scripture. There is part of that sure. that we have a responsibility, but it went too far of, mm-hmm. of causing people to, yeah. I mean, uh, counselors will sit here and, and tell people, I mean, they even talk about um, statistics that talk about how, you know, people who do stay pure in their relationship, statistically speaking, what it does for their marriage in health and starting off well and all of those things. But reality is too, that there's a lot of people that don't. Yeah. And what God's really talking about is let's get down to the heart. Like you said, Amanda, and let's teach this differently. Hey, we've taught absences, absence. I can't even say the word abstinence (laughs) with our kids, but we've tried to teach it in a way 
that is a heart thing. Because if you really come back, it's it's not this. I, I keep having this picture of this idol thing because yeah. there's certain things in my life I think growing up that we just idolized as they were parts of Christianity that were supposed to point to Jesus and be a worshipful part of our relationship with Jesus. But we took those and put them up too high and saying, this is almost Jesus. Right. And I think that side of man, just teaching our heart for God, his heart for us. And just what we said earlier, hungering and thirsting for righteousness because God fills us with something really good. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and I think teaching people, we almost taught in purity culture that the desires were evil. Yeah. The desires are not evil. They're mm-hmm. a natural part of who we are yeah. and who a kid is and right. teenager is. So and if you them, make a mistake and you regret, like you're ruined. There yeah, was this no, idea oh. of if I am not quote unquote pure, then I must be what's the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, the is, illustration of the rose and every time you give a little bit of yourself, it takes a petal off the rose yeah. and all of a sudden there's nothing left of the rose. Yeah. That that's not real helpful to a young girl. No. Um, and it's not the gospel either. No. And God can redeem and yeah. God does create and God uses every story and there's there's all of that. So I, I don't know if I have any answers of I know what we have done with our girls teaching, but I do know that purity side. Um, I did say it too. I did say yes, yesterday that it is received not achieved. Purity is received, not achieved. Yeah, so we, ha- we do have to remember that. So even if there is failure in some things, man, purity can be received, right? God does that with all of us. And mm-hmm. so I think we need to remember that most of all. But then again, there are blessings to everything too. So I think this can be awkward to talk about because I think it is something that, um, like we said, is well-intentioned in, in our church history. It's something like, like this is a good thing that, that got a little out of control. And then we, I, I want to be uh, responsible to, to see it corrected, you know, as we lead our, our young people now and, and not repeat the same mistakes. But then immediately like, what? But it's not all bad. And like, we should pursue righteousness, but like not necessarily at the point of it becoming an idol and we're judging everybody and people feel like garbage if they're not living that standard. It's just this constant sense of, of push and pull. But I do think it's helpful because there, I think there are a lot of people that do that walked away with a message that I don't belong with God. Mm. Why? Because I was involved in a church that said you are impure, and you are unwanted, and you are undesirable because you made decisions that didn't live up to our standards. Yeah, and you have you have people who walked away from their yes. faith, walked yes. away from the church, and that is it's like I don't want anything no. to do with that. Right. So it's like yes, we do want to pursue righteousness, we do want to pursue purity. But we want to follow, uh, pursue it in a way that is consistent with the gospel and what Jesus actually called us to, and not add a bunch of stuff on top of it. Yeah. I think that that's what we did in that that season of, of of church leadership. I agree. Yeah. So along those lines, you you mentioned uh, Sean that we don't achieve purity that Jesus is talking about. We receive it, but then you also mentioned that it is something that we can pursue. Yeah. So can you walk through a little bit? What is the difference between pursuing righteousness? And like achieving righteousness. Well, I think maybe maybe going back to the word purity, you know, something can be pure, and then you can um, you can I don't want to want to use the word defile it, right? But you can mix some things in. That was a whole portion of the passage that was talking about mixing things in. Mm-hmm. You know, purity is that idea with integrity that there's not there's nothing mixed in. And I think there's a sense of of eternal purity of God saying, I have forgiven the consequence of your sin and I have set you right with God. Yeah. 
now for you to experience everything, not just experience the best life possible, but for you to be the best example you can be of showing others who Jesus is, then you need to pursue things that are pure. So I th- maybe that maybe I should have used that language yesterday instead of pursuing purity, pursuing things that are pure, because mm. we we do have a a hard time you know with pursuing the things that the world gives us because it, it's an instant gratification culture. Yeah, and so we're constantly we even train ourselves now with the social media and and our phones right there that we want everything now. You yeah. know, it's it is pretty convenient and nice. I can jump on Amazon and can be there like in an hour <laughs> yeah. and a half. It's like, dang, what happened there? But it's we feel that way with life. And I think what God's saying is is that we need to pursue pure things mm-hmm. and put those into our hearts so that we can become continue to become more like him. I I don't know if that makes sense, but Yeah, I think no, that's, that, uh, that 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 helps. And I loved how you were talking about confession and how the, it it's connection to and pursuing purity. And you were specifically talking about confessing, you know, our sins to Jesus. And I'd love for you to talk about it a little bit more because uh, you talked about it being in agreement with yeah. God. Is that is that how you'd say it? Yeah, I messed up in the first service and I, I got a little ahead of my notes and I was like, okay, I can't remember what it means. Okay, where's my <laughs> iPad? And then I pick up my iPad and I'm not even there. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to find this. And I defined it wrong. So it's it's uh, in the second service. <laughs> I hope we use the second service online. But um, the Greek word is two words. Mm-hmm. And it means to speak, and then it means same. Okay. So to speak the same as. I said to see and same. But it's basically it means to speak the same about our sin that God does. I think everyone got it, probably. Yeah. I was in the second service, so I, yeah, got, I got the good one. <laughs> it's better, yes. Yeah. yeah so confession is, is confessing our sins before God mm-hmm. and to speak the same about it. You think about when David confessed to Nathan, now he had to be confronted before he would confess. But when he finally did it, he spoke it before Nathan and before God and said, this is what it is. And uh, I think there's there's a side for us. We tend to try to talk things away. We tend to try to make excuses a little bit, uh, make things lighter than they are. But if, uh, if, I, if I blew up in front of my kids and I could say, oh, man, God forgive me for that. But really, those freaking kids were being this way. Or if I, if I say, God... Man, I lost my temper, and I was a bad example before my kids. Would you forgive me? I think there's something that redirects us. It doesn't just, um, we're saying it, stating, I mentioned yesterday that there's something about when we confess that it, it releases our spirit a bit too. Mm-hmm. But I think it also redirects. When you speak the full matter of what it is, you're confronted with that, and you don't want to be that. Yeah. And I think it continues to redirect us the right direction. It makes me think of too when you know I I do something wrong to someone I offend them and and I've wronged them. There's the the, the difference between saying sorry that hurt your feelings, <laughs> yeah, and saying hey, listen that was a dig on Amanda. No, <laughs> wait, my Amanda or me. you? Yeah, me. Okay, that's okay. No, He's like, oh, yeah, you've never done that. Uh-huh. Uh, the difference between that and saying I'm sorry that I said that because the way I said that was just really dishonoring to you, to you and you deserve yeah. more than that. Like those are two different. Or confessions. And I'm apologies. sorry. I'm sorry that I said that, but <laughs> yeah, you know, you qualify. But you were being a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Or, like but so and so did this, and that made me. Yeah. It's like, what are you sorry for? Yeah. Isn't it funny though? Go back to what you said about David and confession, and saying he needed to be confronted first mm, to confess. Yeah. I think that's just an interesting yeah. thing to dig into a little bit because there's a difference between confession on our own, I think, and then some of that confession when somebody 
you know, comes and says, hey, yeah. When Nick comes to Amanda and says, hey, you hurt my feelings <laughs> in this. And you're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think there's just, there's a different freedom and probably different of what you're talking about, speaking it in the same way that God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And there was another thing that, that really stuck out to me. You said w- what it's not is it's not bargaining and it's mm-hmm. not bribing God. Mm-hmm. And this really, maybe it didn't seem like a big deal. That really stuck out to me um, because how you defined it was when we bargain with God, we're saying, God, I'm sorry, I'll never do this again. Mm-hmm. As if your promise to never do it again makes God go, okay, fine, I'll forgive you. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's funny yeah. when you when you break it down, it sounds silly, but we do that all the time or we, we try to bribe God and say, I promise to do whatever, fill in the blank, if you'll forgive me. Again, as if God's like, ooh, that's worth this agreement. Like, (laughs) if you'll go be a missionary, man, that's worth it. I'll forgive you. But when you break it down in that way, you realize the the, the, the power and and the freedom of of true confession, which is just, Mm -hmm. God, I see this the same way you see it. Yeah, and that Augustine quote rocked me. That was the part of that part of the message that got me a bit. The confession of bad works is the beginning of good works. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just something about that acknowledging what's wrong tends to turn us toward something better. You're on the right path. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Sean, you, you were, you closed out uh, the the teaching on Sunday talking about being able to, to see God, right? Like Mm -hmm. that is this blessing of of those that are pursuing a, a pure heart is they're able to see God. Can you unpack that a bit? Like, what does that mean? Like, if I do something good, then I see like a vision of Jesus on my toast <laughs> in the morning or something like that. What, what does that mean? Um, I made a statement in the message at the very beginning of that section that said, if God is what you seek, God is what you will see. Mm. So even going back to the very beginning of the message, we talked about our hearts follow what our eyes are focused on. And most of us, we don't feel like we see God. We don't feel like we hear answers to our prayers. We don't feel like we get not to say revelations from God, but more like just God kind of leaning in and yeah. some stuff and directing us. Yeah. We're like, why don't, why aren't he ever there? Well, maybe it's an heart, a heart issue. You know, may, maybe we have some spiritual blinders on because we have sin, some sin in our life or just some attitudes that tend to cause us to look toward other things, look mm. toward the negative. If what you're looking for is the negative, what will you see? You're going to see the negative. Yeah. If what you're looking for are these things, that's what you're going to see. But if we're looking for God... You usually find them. And, uh, you know, kind of like those crazy paintings that you, you oh, know, yeah. and you're like, Focusing well, I'm on. looking on this thing. What am I supposed to be looking at? And then they tell you, and you're like, oh, I can see that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a side with God that that's very true, is just the whole idea that if we're looking for him um, and if we are clearing out some of the clutter of the world, we usually see him showing up in our daily life in practical, real, tangible ways. And we're like, wow, look at that little miracle. Look at that little direction he gave there. Wow, look at how that that turned out with my kid that I've been trying to teach them this. And wow, I just saw this happen mm-hmm. or something. Not to say that all of a sudden we're going to see all these miracles, but we might just see God showing up, keeping us from things, directing us toward things, making life just a little more focused yeah. in his direction. But we will see him in the good and the bad. So I think that's the important yes. thing because mm. I think we so often think we're just going to see him when things are good or like you said, like in the miracles. And I think if you will focus in and focus on on that, you'll see him in the bad things. Mm. I mean, see what he wants to do in your life through that. Yeah. So I think 
too often we just we get stuck at the cross. Mm. You know, it's like uh, we we know that we have made bad decisions, we have regrets, we we come to church or whatever, even if we're just reading the Bible at home or something like that, and just this burden of guilt. And we come to Jesus and we're like, can you please forgive me? And you have this moment of like, Jesus, you know, you, you experience that, like that, that lightness that comes mm-hmm. with my, my sins are forgiven. And like, we stop there. And then it, it, our walk with Jesus is just a, a reoccurrence of that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel good. Then I screw up again and I come to Jesus and I feel good again. And I screw up you know, over and over and over again. And I, I feel like there's something in that beatitude that's like, there's so much more that God is want, wanting us to be blessed with and experience yeah. that, that comes with pursuing the heart of God, pursuing that purity. And I, I think that is something that I would love to experience more in my own life and love for people to experience that. It's like God has so much more blessing and so much greater vision for my life and more purpose than just dealing with sin. Mm, yeah. Just, and, and I was reading um, in Romans 8, this is the uh, message paraphrase. And it, it first is talking about you know, stop giving the way this world works any more attention. Like, start, stop giving it control over your life. And then it says, this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Mm. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God every day with a child like, what's next? Wow. This, this idea of like, man, this is life at its best, not just grave-tending. Monotonous, grave-tending, yeah. just going, Sorry, yeah, God. Right. Sorry, God. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, God. Yeah. There's so much more. And I think that we want that for our people too. Yeah. I just love the the piece throughout the Beatitudes. I feel like he's just saying, um, we, we always want this process. We want like, what's the next five steps in the process of growing spiritually and this and that. I think you, the Beatitudes, you read them, you're just like, well, it's the next step right in front of you. It's the next step that you can see. Take it. And if you're looking for me, you're going to find me. If If you take a step toward me, I'm taking a step toward you. It's just this like, it's the commitment to say, I, I want more. And God says, when you want more, I'm just going to fill you up more. I'm just going to fill you up more. But I can't if you're running away from me. Right. You know, So I love that, that side of uh, the Holy Spirit helps guide us. And we can give people all kinds of tips and all kinds of things and all kinds of next steps. But God actually says for people, I mean, we're talking about people the other side of the world who have no one there... They come into an understanding who Jesus is. God still, through his spirit, gives them the next steps. Mm-hmm. Says, I, and I will fill you up. Yeah. So um, for the person out there right now making excuses and saying, gosh, I don't even know what to do next. Do something. Mm-hmm. Get your Bible out. Talk to somebody. And you will see, wow, God's showing up. Guys, the Beatitudes are the B attitudes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you waited all podcast to say that? Maybe I should have waited longer, uh-huh, maybe. but yeah, no, you just got to be the attitudes it's talking about guys. Okay. That would have been so much easier <laughs> if you told me that before we started this series preaching, man. I was like, wow, Sean would have used changed that my world, every man. Sunday. Uh, hey, I'm so glad you didn't use guys, that. As Nick Carver said, <laughs> the it's B, B. attitude. Uh, anything else you awesome. guys would add? Nope. I think that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you for your thoughts. And uh, I think it's really helpful. Good conversation. Good Thanks, stuff. Nick. No, right. no fluff today. No, no fluff. We no cut talking. it all out. That's Amen, right. Baby. Awesome. <laughs> See you later, Sean Warriors. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us on Rocky Unscripted. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can go to rocky.church slash this week. And no matter when you're listening, 
It'll always be up to date. We love to connect with you and love to serve you as much as we can. Please share the podcast, rate us, review us. That helps us be seen by more and more people. Love you guys. We'll catch you next time.